A new study shows that minimum wage hikes are killing jobs in California's poorest communities. California politicians hiked the gas tax, and now they want an investigation into why the gas is so expensive. And here's some new laws that make the state even more liberal. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. This is the California Streaming Podcast with your hosts, Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're three conservative California natives putting ridiculous state and local politics on blast. So hop on our magic bullet train to nowhere and let's talk some California politics. The villages, America's friendliest hometown. <laughs> the villages, America's friendliest hometown. Go, Mr. Vice President. The villages. He <laughs> hits the high note. <laughs> Can anybody guess who that is? Oh, Lord. That's, uh, he's been in the news recently. That is Democratic a presidential candidate. candidate and hopeful. Joe Biden. Okay, Joe. President. Don't can't take it away from him. Hey, right Joe back. had a couple of drinks when he sang that song. <laughs> if you haven't, we'll link it on our show page. But if you haven't seen this old YouTube video of drunk Joe Biden singing about the villages. <laughs> Isn't that the retirement community homes like in Florida or something? I, yeah, I feel like it's the name of a lot of retirement <laughs> villages where maybe he should reside. The other thing we were speaking of Uncle Joe, we were talking about who he just got um big endorsement. Right? From, yeah, come on, yeah. Louie. And Louie, I blame you for this. It's not my day. I blame you for this. The uh, International Association of Firefighters endorsed Biden super quick. You said you'd been to a conference not too long ago yeah. where they kind of tipped their hat that, look, if he gets in the race, this is our guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, they had been saying this since the last presidential um, presidential term came up, that if he were to put his hat in the ring, that's they would be endorsing him. and. That goes way back to years ago. He helped craft legislation here that helped out firefighters. And so they consider him firefighter friendly, if you will. It's not, you know, it, and it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because there's being firefighter friendly and then there's being union friendly too. Right. And so anybody on the conservative side, even if, even if they were a previous firefighter themselves, probably wouldn't get an endorsement if they were anti-union. I mean, that's really right. what it comes down to. Right. So so you're never going to get an endorsement. Is that what kind of... No, probably okay. never get the endorsement. You know, it's interesting the way they spin it because a lot of public safety is fairly conservative, you know, and so there's that's this kind of dichotomy, but uh, especially when you go like middle America and stuff. But what's what's kind of interesting about it is when those questions come up, union leadership tries to say things like... Uh, we're just endorsing that endorsing them based on the single issue, the mm. fact that they support fire. Um and they try to get you to ignore the ancillary things they also support. So that you know, they say if you don't if you don't there's social issues you have a problem with or whatever, we're not endorsing that. We're just endorsing because they're fire or union friendly. But when you get a candidate in office, you you get it all whole. I mean Right. They want you to turn your brain off to the fact that one out of the hundred things, right? Okay, I might be four, and then the other ninety-nine, I wouldn't give a penny to. Right? They try to say they're a single topic, you know. They're endorsing based on a single topic, but you don't. You you buy it wholly, you know. Totally. I mean, well, you know, every politician they they always want the firefighters, the police unions to endorse them. That's 
That's one of the big ones, mainly because yeah. they have, uh, you know, flyers that go out every year. Well, they have that, but I also get the sense, and Louis, you may have another thought on this, but I get the sense that if you can get the firefighters and the police on your side, the average person is going to think, wow, well, my public safety officials are for that person. That must be a good person. Well, who in their right mind would run a successful campaign not being against public safety? Correct. I mean, right. right. You just can't get around it. Even with our pension woes and everything else, right? nobody actually wants to be the... No cops, no firefighters. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Right. Who right. we run a campaign? Uh, most of the Democrat candidates? Uh, well, they, they, they want ICE out of there. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and I think there's this there's this disconnect between federal police. And they'll never call them police officers. Who won't? Whenever you're oh, referring oh. to ICE in a negative connotation, it's easier to use the acronym because it creates that separation of these are actually law enforcement officers, right? You know, and and although they're at the federal level, they're still police officers, you know. And but if you just keep them at arm's length and call them ICE and kind of mystify it. You know, and maybe it's because ICE is taking all the headlines these days, but you know what I realized kind of dawned on me? The whole anti-police strain, remember? Where, where then mm-hmm. they had like the blue line and stuff. Had right. To counter lives matter. Yeah. They call them Kaepernick issues. And- all of that kind of, at least it's on the way back burner. Maybe it's still out there, but you don't hear about that at all. I think anymore. people got tired of it. Yeah. 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 Because it's a stat that doesn't really exist, <laughs> right? I, I mean, uh, it, it takes a while for pe- for uh, people who oppose it to bring up a rationale, debate against it, to go against the bumper sticker slogan, right? And then once you win that argument, it kind of goes away. Yeah, well, and if you any metric you pull, yeah, there are bad cops. There of totally course. is. There's bad everything in every of industry. Uh, people are people, I right? Mean, but on the whole. Not really a giant problem. Like, right. go to another country, man. Exactly. Uh, I mean, my heritage is from the Middle East. When I hear people saying that they don't have rights here or um, yeah, they're victimized by the police, or it's like, dude, there are, there are parts of the world where you can just be killed I think for Iran, believing a certain thing. I think reports are coming out that inside of Iran, they just killed two guys who I think were homosexual. Like, oh, just, yeah. just murdered them. Done. Right. Well, my sister's a doctor. Good luck trying to become a female doctor in oh, no. <laughs> Saudi Arabia or something. Right? I mean, I think we, we forget that we do live in the best time in the best country right. in the world. Without question. Without question. Without we, have question. A, we have a show that is diabolically opposed to most of the state. <laughs> right. And we get to launch it freely on the internet for people to consume. And I'll be honest, I'm not persecuted. It, and I'll take it, I take it for granted. I mean, a lot of times, I'll be honest. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. The other big thing, right? Bar, the uh, yeah, the whole that's been an interesting issue. Went in front day. of the Senate, did not go in front of the House. People eating fried chicken. <laughs> you know, the circus continues. I love the smirks he just has. He just looks at them like idiots. It, it, there's this it's the same thing with the Kavanaugh hearings. The Democrat leadership has this so serious. Oh. I've got the this is the question that's going to out you right here. And they think they've got this masterful delivery. And then the person on the other side, whether it's Barr or Kavanaugh, just has this like, you're an idiot. And is it just me or does it all seem so obvious through the lens of future um, money raising efforts? 
Well, well yeah, they're yeah, definitely like, going to uh, campaign Cory on Booker this sucker. Was, yeah, every, he was campaigning. Yeah, was everything they do yeah. is, 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 is through that lens tainted by that. But Cory Booker's going like, hey, why is everybody forgetting that I'm running for president? Exactly. Uh, why yeah. am I getting lost in the shuffle? I should be a, a front runner, not, not Biden. Every, everybody's trying to make their point. Uh, they use it to grandstand and stump. I love a, the fact that you know uh, they were questioning him about the spying. You know, oh, what's yeah. your definition of spying? And then the New York Times runs their article. Well, yeah, they put not one, but two spies in the Trump campaign during the campaign itself. What You know, what kind of world are we living in to these days? You the, know? The, the best was Senator Whitehouse trying to grill him over the use of the word spy and him saying, you know, I started in the CIA. I think it's a good word. <laughs> I can tell when it's spying yeah. because I was in the CIA. But he had a good point. He's like, there's no synonym for spying because it's a word that perfectly articulates mm. when the situation occurs. Interesting. You know? Um, so it's just, I personally, well, this is my hopefulness. We'll see. It does seem like the Dems are reacting in a way that they're starting to sniff the fact that the tables might be turning. That this is a guy, Barr, who is a guy who actually might follow through with previous... And that's a problem for them. Right. Historical threats of, okay, now we're going to turn the tables and figure out who tried to come up right. with all of these allegations. They don't want oh. that. The whole shiny object is the whole impeachment deal. Yep. They have to continuously pound the table. Impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. They have nothing. They can't do it. I mean, they they could if they wanted to, you know, totally, dis- yeah. totally disregard any facts or figures and go with the whole impeachment proceedings. But I don't think Chuck and Nancy, they want to go to the edge but not go there. Isn't it safe to say that most um, sane or uh, long-term tr- uh, thinking Democrats feel you go through impeachment hearings like you're handing him 2020? Yeah, and yeah. well, and I think there's also this I've kind of talked about it before, but they think that there's such a shoe in in the next election that, hey, why don't we just ride it out? Because yeah. there's no way anybody's going to vote for this guy again. But that line of thinking is, I think, what's yeah. going to get them exactly bingo, X'd out. Bingo. There's this, I have to read this tweet, even though we're not in the tweet section, from London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco. Oh, man. <laughs> Today we celebrated the official opening of the Downtown Streets team and the mission. When I pushed, uh, which I pushed for in our budget, these residents who are homeless or at risk of homelessness help clean our streets while receiving a stipend in case management employment services. So London, uh, or sorry, uh, <laughs> San Francisco is now paying you to clean up your feces from the street. So you're allowed to take a dump on the street, and then they're going to pay you to clean up your dump. That's, isn't that just part of living? Like you yeah, just clean up after yourself. The, the, the theme of this of this episode is now California. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. it's like easily the subheading. What are we doing? These people dirtied the street by taking a dump on it, and then we paid them to clean up the dump. And again, if we're also giving out food, right? Uh-huh. Um, subsidies for for groceries etc are, are, you, are you going with the circle the of full, life here a full, <laughs> full circle. circle eat do your business clean up your business get paid rinse repeat eat. yeah i mean it's just <laughs> you get case management employment services you're so you're going to get a job for taking a dump on the street and then um, cleaning it up unbelievable isn't this what we teach like 2 year olds 
What are we doing? What are, what are we doing? Oh, and with that, we're jumping into the topics. Oh, Lord. You bet. You've selected all these topics, John. Uh, they're all along the theme of what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, one of our listeners, and they didn't realize um, we all trade off shows. Mm-hmm. So, like right now, it's John's show. It's John true. John picked the topics. That's right. And then it'll be Bobby's show next time, and then mine, and we rotate. That's right. So, it kind of gives you a feel of how we curate the episodes a little bit. Yeah. Um, the kind of the lead. This, uh, and you can see all our mindsets and a whole bunch of issues. And go it's like, true. Mm, Bobby's it's true. the big lib. So, exactly. He's, well, tr- he's trying to protect it as much as possible. I, he's I, been at it. So. This episode is all the reasoning why we need to burn it all down. Oh, but man. please continue. Okay. So the headline, minimum wage hikes are killing jobs in California's poorest communities. No. Study says. No. Yeah, I know. I'm bringing, I'm bringing some, some shocking news here today. This comes from the Foundation for Economic Freedom. And I know some people might be thinking, well, of course, that's a right-wing capitalist pig kind of news outlet. But, yes, but, but, but there's actually some NPR, uh, an NPR angle that I want to bring up here in a little bit too. But let me give you a little background. So California passed a bill in 2016 to bring the state's minimum wage up to $15 an hour. And we're where, not, where did we get this fifteen dollars an hour? Exactly. Okay. So and so to speak of kind of just it's magical. A magical yeah, exactly. Number. And I'm All about right. to give you another magical number. For businesses with more than twenty five employees, why twenty five? Because don't know. we said so. Exactly. If you've got more than twenty five employees, the state's minimum wage it, it rose to twelve dollars this January, and it's going to hit fifteen dollars in January of twenty twenty two. Other businesses, they're going to have until 2023 uh-huh. before the full $15 minimum wage takes effect. Yeah, that's that's great for them because whatever year. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So this study says, quote, data analysis suggests that while the restaurant industry in California has grown significantly as the minimum wage has increased, employment in the industry has grown more slowly than it would have without minimum wage hikes. Hmm. They found that the minimum wage has more of an impact on full-service restaurants where customers are served by waiters and food is brought to the table. So, yeah, like they said, full-service, not Uh your quick turnaround. Researchers also found that minimum wage slowed growth in more low-income areas. Lastly, the researchers, they estimate that the minimum wage increase will cost about 30,000 jobs from 2017 to 2022. Quick little anecdote. Um... The closest McDonald's to where I live popped in there the other day. A little something from there sounded good. I had not been in there in a good six months. Maybe oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I the one McDonald's in forever. But but it's gonna be the one I know you're thinking of, Bobby. Yeah, we live close by. Yeah, I walk in. They got huge plasma screens everywhere. You walk up, you do your own little touch order thing. There's oh, it's a, all automated. There's one person at the counter, and I'm thinking. This has minimum wage written all oh, yeah, the future. over it. I went to that same McDonald's and uh, I was going to order something from the counter, and they they went, "No, you can use this now." I totally they, did. They, I didn't even think about going to the me, counter. They grabbed me and they said, "No, no, we got to train you to use the plasma TV going forward." There's full on restaurants. Um, one that comes to mind: Stacks in Thousand Oaks. Okay. It's a burger place, kind of like Eureka, like a sit gourmet down, burger, sit, sit, full sit down, sit down restaurant okay. with a bar and everything. Okay. And um, their whole thing is you can just design a gigantic burger, you know. That's why it's called Stacks. But it's all done from a tablet on your 
table. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And then they bring it out. And so you don't have, you have, I think maybe a drink interaction with, with a server, but your, your whole order takes place. And, and it's cool. Cause you can sit there and slide the different levels of your burger, you know, and create this well, that is monstrosity, cool. but it's all done from tablet. I could see John ordering a thirty dollar yeah, burger. Yeah, that, that would get real oh, dangerous so for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a hash brown and all sorts of oh, stuff on yeah. it. Was, it was out of control. But basically, they're no offense, but it's a glorified busser at that oh, totally. point, right? It's like the combo roll, which just probably eliminated a potentially a good thirty percent of the jobs. Right. At well, the restaurant. How, how many restaurants now? And I, I know a couple that are actually nice sit downs, but during lunch they're a little bit more fast paced to get the lunch crowd going. But you order at a counter and then take a number and sit down. And mm-hmm. they bring it to you, you know. Yes. I also feel like that's kind of been the precursor for the tablet. There's kind of a lot of that going on now. We say it all the time on this show, but everything we just talked about for the last three minutes, four minutes, the secondary and tertiary effects of these geniuses thinking that they have it fig- all figured out and that they're going to make it work by just magically changing a number. Right. There was a, and when I was doing my research for this topic came across this article that made a pretty good point. It said one of the reasons for a lot of this uh, minimum wage not really helping is there's such a bad uh, there's such a, a bad grasp on the targeting. There's poor targeting when it comes to pulling the data. So the Census Bureau, the Census Bureau shows that like 60% of people living in poverty don't even currently work. Hmm. So minimum wage isn't going to help them out, right? They're not even taking a dollar. And of those that do work... Um, the majority of families are actually far above the poverty line at 51,000 ish or so. Um, so across all covered minimum wage earners, the average family is around 51,000 minimum wage doesn't really help them out too much. In fact, they might already be at 15 or 16 bucks. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. an increase to that's not going to help. In fact, all it's going to do is increase the cost of their goods and services. Right, right. exactly. Um, I mean, because because you get the regressive side exactly, on the back end. Exactly. Is now goods and services go up. So if you were just surviving at fifty one, now you got to come back around and buy things at a higher cost. Yeah, and that's the tertiary effect with everybody who has a normal job with a high paying salary. All of a sudden, your cost of living goes up. Right, and therefore you need a raise. And somewhere down the line, it's going to have to happen. You end up playing this catch-up game. Yes. You're, you're always chasing your tail. You're either getting more wage and so goods and services go up, and you can't, because you're not letting the market actually dictate it all. So that's, so that's an interesting point. And I mentioned that I had an NPR article. Yeah. And, a, and a little bit... I was play- surprised the NPR's take on it. Exactly. So, and I thought I'd just kind of highlight a couple of the points, because it, it's, it's an element that, it leads into another thing that's becoming more in vogue for adjusting the minimum wage. But... NPR was asking the question in an article on April 23rd. It was entitled, when does a minimum wage become too high? So right there, I was, okay, they're at least willing to admit. Kind of a laugher curve on it. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought, right? There's an optimal, in theory, an optimal point. What they were saying is there was an article published back in the 90s, a study by Card and Kruger, and it found that a modest 19% increase in the minimum wage did not reduce employment. And then they've said other studies after that have found out that fact. The NPR article goes on and they use an extreme, which, okay, that's fair. We talk oftentimes about why not make it $1,000, $2,000 an hour. And they said, of course, if they were willing to concede if 15000 an hour were the new minimum wage, that you know businesses would close down, no one could get employed, et cetera. So to your point, Louis, 
there's a Laffer curve effect here. Um, another research paper recently by, I'm not going to get the last name right, but Dubé or Dube and colleagues, they analyzed a huge sample of 138 state level increases in the minimum wage over four decades. And they found that the minimum wage um, is not, in fact, the increase of it is not a job killer. But what matters more is the percent or the rate at which you provide that increase. Yes. So they said an increase in Seattle was 37%, the yes. one that got a lot of discussion recently. They said this study, NPR said this study shows that it can go up to 59% and not see significant job losses. But I would have to admit, it's an interesting, look, let's say we're underneath this umbrella, we're going to have a minimum wage. Uh, again, right. I'm full disclosure, I think it should be zero, but nonetheless, we're going to have a minimum wage and it's going to go up. You, you are starting to hear kind of to this point, you're hearing more Dem candidates, and especially Dems from areas in the country that are poorer, more rural, that are saying, hey, whoa, 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 $15, there's not just one number for the nation. That's right? exactly it. Right. Yeah. What about maybe letting us adjust it depending on our businesses and our and the people in our districts, et cetera? This is the same issue we run into with like Common Core, right? We are comprised of what's supposed to be independent states. And the federal government's supposed to take this minimalist view to just kind of be a little bit of the glue that hangs us all together and provide for massive, massive things that wouldn't be realistic for states like national defense and stuff. What a concept. Right. But then we, we start saying, well, all states need to pay this amount. Why this it's, amount? It's, it's the edict from mm -hmm. D.C. And right. you're like, well, uh, the, first of all, the cost of living in California is much different than the cost of living in Indiana. Right. Or, yeah. And or you'll find that with Wisconsin a lot of the metro cities, or, even exactly. in, in the middle America. Right. And there's even a difference between, you know, South Bend, Indiana and Indianapolis, Indiana. Right. I mean, whenever you get these or Riverside, California or Los Angeles, like mm -hmm. let alone Seattle or someplace in South Dakota. Right. And right. so as soon as we start saying that this will apply to all states, I mean, even Hawaii, mm -hmm. everything's just more expensive in Hawaii. And you can't say that what applies in Oregon would apply in Alaska. Like, we have such, not just vastly different states, but we've got some states in crazy different geography, mm -hmm. you know? So when we start applying everything across the board, just like Common Core, we, we start creating a bunch of issues for ourselves. And when we don't let the market dictate the true cost of something, we kind of explode the cost of everything. You know, it, kind of all this makes me think too, and, I, and we have a clip, um, it, it's a complicated issue in that no one, obviously people are coming at it from so many different perspectives and there is no one right answer, which again is to me the argument for letting the marketplace figure it out. Right. But the clip we have, uh, we'll play here in a second, is from Reason Magazine. They're down in LA. They did a man on the street thing and they went around okay. four or five years ago and they asked people, what do you think the minimum wage should be? Why do you think it should be that? So Lou, if you could... Play the clip. Progress causes pain sometimes, I guess. And if it costs a few jobs, that'd be fine. Overall, I think it would be good, though. We need to do it. Do you think at the end of the day that it would be better for, let's say, lower-income people or in entry-level jobs to raise the wage, even if they might, some of them might lose their jobs or have fewer hours? I think overall it would be a better thing. So if people lose their jobs, would you still like to see the minimum wage doubled? Mm. No, not really. I mean... Then there'd just be more unemployment, right? And then, Ooh, what a concept. So it, all, it kind of doesn't work out that way either. 
Yeah, so you, you've but, got everyone on the spectrum. Some guy that says, let's do it. Jobs are going to get lost. Who cares? Has to happen. Another guy, kind of on that, but you could sense the pause in his voice. Another dude, he got it. Well, we could do it, but then all you're going to have is more unemployment that we're going to have to pay for as well. Let, let me skew this in a different direction. Sure. Because, you know, we're we're marching towards this $15 minimum wage, right? Okay, good. Fight for 15 So if you do have a full-time job at $15 an hour, you now become too high on the scale for um, uh, additional services. Subsidies. Subsidies uh, uh, for... Well, there was people who, when they got the raise, they, exactly. they, they wanted their hours to get dropped because they were making so much they weren't qualifying for social programs. That's anymore. exactly where I'm going with it. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, uh, they're afraid to go over that bar. What and you are get, we doing? What you get, are we doing? But at the same time, is that really a bad thing? Where oh, we, wait, wait, wait. Is what a bad thing? Raising the minimum wage where we now can start eliminating the need for social programs. You're assuming we're going to be in a world where they get away, where they do away with or don't reset right. the bar for the subsidies. <laughs> totally. yes. They're going yes, 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 yes. to reset the bar. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? You see with companies that cherish their employees or try to provide a really good service that they provide a good wage without the government needing to come down on them. Uh, you know, growing up, In-N-Out was the big one. In-N-Out. In-N-Out pays its employees well. You and your In-N-Out model. I uh, love the In-N-Out model. Because it's great. Family-owned. It's a California thing. Quality or, product. Know, there's a few other states in there now. But quality product. And the big thing, especially if you're from the state and you spent your life grow, uh, you know, growing up, going In-N-Out, they always get the order right. Like, there is a flow to In-N-Out that's just unparalleled to other fast food joints. Yep. And they provide a great product that they pay their employees well right and look what the service and the quality is when you just pay and hang on to employees uh costco is known for that too costco pays its employees well and it's noticeable i mean most costcos are really nice everybody's employees want to be there and they love where they work totally yeah you know so you've got this you're going to compete in the marketplace for good employees if you just let businesses compete. And everyone says, well, if you don't have a minimum wage, employers will just pay $3 an hour. That's not going to last very long because your, your competition's going to then say, oh, John's really good. I want him. I'm going to charge 5 bucks an hour or pay 5 bucks an hour. And you're going to get some competition. But when you set this artificially inflated bar well above the, what something is worth, everyone's just going to pay that and never compete for it. That's right. You've, you've shifted the requirement for the value to the marketplace that employee has to bring. And all you're doing is preventing those who bring less of a value per hour to the marketplace from getting any experience. They're and just you, never going to get hired. And you've insulted me by undermining my value. Correct. I should be able to prove my worth and value to you. Not to mention, isn't this a private contract? Right. If you want to offer me a job at $6 an hour, in my circumstances, I got a little extra time. I did earn 6 bucks an hour, and I want to take... You've just made that illegal. Right. Illegal for you the to hire me at $6 The central planners do not want that. They, we've, for years, decades now, we've been moving away from an industrialized nation where yeah. we've been having a lot of blue-collar jobs, yeah. big factories, yeah. make cars, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And we've been going into more of a tech kind of uh, country where... At the same time, we're congregating in the big cities. That's why Los Angeles, New York, all these cities, they're becoming big. No more room for people. You have to live in these big cities. And we've, because we've run out of room, mm -hmm. 
it's becoming far too expensive for those who are in the lower tier of the wage gap here. Let me um, let me just wrap this segment up with just one interesting aspect I, I kind of came across. I thought real quick, why don't, well, how do other countries handle this, right? How are mm-hmm. they different than the United States? I found there's a lot of um, first world countries that don't even, they come at it from a completely different angle. Austria, they use a national collective bargain, bargaining agreement that sets minimum wage by job classification. So See, they're sensitive. That helps to solve a little bit of that problem. Exactly. Italy, same collective bargaining agreements. They don't have a national minimum wage. Singapore, no minimum wage except for two. Cleaning jobs have like 750 a month. Security guards have 800 a month. Same with Sweden. Uh, independent unions bargain, figure out wages to pay based on the industry. Right. So this whole notion of, again, if we're going to have a minimum wage, the whole idea of 15 for everybody everywhere all the time, that's kind of out there on the curve. There's no way to make it uh, survivable no. in the long term. No. Part two of... What are we doing this week? Is the John f- tell us what we're doing? Well, <laughs> we're getting real serious with an investigation here, guys. Are you ready for it? Here's we the, have serious investigations. Here, here's the investigation that's going on in California. Yeah. The headline says California politicians hiked gas tax. Did they? Now they demand an investigation into state's four dollar per gallon gas prices. It's a mystery. Let's hire Scooby Doo. It's investigation time. Bum, bum, bum. Let me, we're so stupid. This state is so uh, stupid. What are our, we doing? Our leadership is so stupid. We raise the taxes on fuel. You're putting it kindly. And, and then when people complain, they want to say, oh, man, why is it so expensive? You're a freaking idiot, man. Dumb. So this comes from Reason Magazine, one of my favorite magazines, uh, from April 25th. So the background is Mayor now, Gavin Newsom. Back in 2017, he supported a bill that would increase the state's gas tax. Big shocker. So he ran for governor in 2018, and and Bobby likes to say he was appointed. (laughs) Anointed. Yeah, anointed, Mm -hmm. appointed, didn't really have to run. It it, it didn't bother him. He opposed a ballot initiative that would have repealed that increase. And in 2019 now, as the state's governor, he's demanding an investigation into why the state's gas prices are so Tell us, fascist Newsom. Here's what he did. He sent a letter to the California Energy Commission asking that the state agency investigate the Golden State's roughly $4.03 per gallon gas prices, which, in case you didn't know, are currently the highest in the country. We are number one. We're number one. Woo! Um, Thank you. For the best at something, Thank you. For the best. Thank you. We have, let me run through a couple of quick stats. We have the second highest gas taxes in the country. We have a state excise tax that currently adds almost 42 cents per gallon. That's going to go up to 47 cents per gallon in July. On top of that, we have two and a quarter percent gasoline sales tax. And we've adopted a cap and trade scheme for carbon emissions, which adds, they say, roughly 24 cents per gallon. Is there anything else I can put on your bill, sir? So, you're you're well, going to break that button. <laughs> I'm sure there is, but that's why we're investigating. I just want to make sure we got everything on your tab. There's I don't want more you to, to not pay <laughs> right. your fair share. <laughs> right. So his phrase, and here's the crux of it all, and here's why he's investigating. There are, quote, inappropriate 
industry practices. Mm, so once like, like excess taxation. Yeah. <laughs> right. So once again, the evil oil companies and refiners are sticking it to us. Not the government. No, 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 mm. no, no, no. That's all reasonable. It's the evil oil producers. How much of that money or that tax money is going to... Uh... Well, there's another investigation I'm sure that's going on right, right. now is to figure out how that's that, going. That, that is a topic for later on, but it's always on our mind here on this show. So, so yeah. the, the difference, and uh, I pulled some data from an LA Times article. Basically, it has the same dollar amount, the $4.03 yeah. per go. gallon. Okay. Uh, up, it's a buck eighteen more than the national average according to AAA. <laughs> so we'll look at that buck eighteen difference. 70 cents is government tax on regulations and 48 cents is, quote, unexplained, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's crazy is we're looking at the 48 cents unexplained and we're not outraged at the 70 cent government tax and regulation. Totally reasonable. That, that comprises that. The majority of that ov- national overage. Adds value. Um, Adds value. You look at some things too, like the combined sales tax rate in LA County is 9.5%. Boy. That's crazy. Wow. I, you're so it just gets 10% a little extra... Little extra expensive. You're paying almost ten percent on a dollar each dollar that you spend. Tax. That's gnarly, man. And uh, I, I also broke down too. I don't think people realize kind of what goes into a co- uh, a gallon of fuel. Yeah, you know, this right? is oh, yeah, this is good. This will be so good. in a gallon of fuel. Fifty three percent of that cost is crude oil. Right, that's what makes it up, and that's that's every state. No state's going to get a, it's it's publicly it's it's traded around the world. No state's going to get a deal on right, that. Right? right, they're all going to pay that. And, and oil is you know a commodity like anything else. It's right. traded. Its price fluctuates throughout the day, even. Right. Um. So fifty three percent is just crude oil cost. Twenty one percent is excise taxes. I mean that the second most expensive part of your gallon of gas is tax. Boom. The third most expensive at 18% is transportation and retail, mm-hmm. uh, which you got to imagine if the cost of fuel goes up, the cost of transporting said fuel goes off. Has to. It goes up because trucks use fuel. Has to. And then 8% is the refining costs, which were higher than the average on refining costs because California has its special blends. Great point. I actually have a clip. ABC 10 did a nice job, I thought, uh, in one of their segments of kind of Oh yeah, yeah. Listing I was out, into, yeah, listing out all of the refinery issues because again, we have special blends in right. our state. We do not import gasoline, so the what the refineries do and what happens to them matters. So, Louis, if you yeah, can, I've got, that a, I've got a list here of how many refineries came down. Go ahead, Louis. Let's hear that. According to AAA, a string of problems at California refineries led to prices surging fifty cents per gallon in the last month. Out of 10 refineries in California, uh, six of them are uh, experiencing some problems, either planned or unplanned. A fire shut down the Wilmington Phillips 66 refinery in mid-March. Ten days later, the Valero refinery in the Bay Area shut down when a scrubber malfunctioned, sending black smoke into the air. Flaring issues caused outages at Chevron's plant in El Segundo and the Valero in Wilmington. And meanwhile, PBF Energy in Torrance had routine maintenance scheduled, which decreased production. All that has left California short on supply for weeks. We don't have pipelines that can pipe uh, relatively cheaper gas to us from other states. We have to rely on actual uh, shipping. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you know it, it lists here that most of these uh, refineries were temporarily 
inconvenience because of different factors of fire, you know, scrubbers and all maintenance, maintenance yeah. and what have you. But permanently, we've shut down 11 different refineries since 1990. And each one of them, you know, had a different capacity of how much they were producing. But some of them were as high as 50,000 barrels a day. We just simply have a supply and demand issue that's on top of all the other fees and and stupid blends and regulatory baloney. Are you suggesting that the people in Sacramento want to ignore basic economics of supply and demand mm. and move forward with the investigation? I wouldn't go that far. I mean, okay. they're pretty smart. Mm, yeah, they're the central planners, right? You know what it makes me think of, not to get... Not to switch topics, but it, it, it's the same as like the nuclear power plants, right? We hate them. We're going to take them offline. O- okay. You realize how much electricity those produce. And, and we'll just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll just buy it. And cons- yeah. And then, and then we'll bankrupt the utility companies because they cause fire because of transmission. Oh, and we fail, to, we fail to acknowledge that the nuclear plants are A, the safest and cleanest. Right. No, and that right. most meltdowns are human sabotage. Right. I mean, again, why, why in the world are we shutting down, what did you say, 11 since the early 90s? That's right. Refineries? Well, and we've got 10 now, according to that clip, and six of them have issues, right? So so we're working off four. Uh, totally. Um, what were you saying? You know, one, one of the other stats I looked at was, if, is there any sort of correlation between gas taxes and gas prices? And, and an article from hotair.com on April 29th, they looked at it and they made the point, well, first of all, they, they brought up the point, we've alluded to it before, that it's basically the blending and the testing that we do in the state makes it more expensive, right? Because we're testing it for efficiency. So or, California has special requirements exactly. that other states don't right. that make it more expensive. Right. The other point they brought up is they used examples of Alaska. It has the lowest gas tax in the country at only 14.7 cents, but the sixth most expensive gas at $3.36 because they don't refine any gasoline, even though they extract crude. They got to ship it down to get refined and then ship it back for gasoline. Florida, on the other hand, has the 10th highest gas tax in the country at 41.4 cents per gallon but one of the lowest gas prices at two seventy a gallon. Their gas tax, again, not that much lower than ours, couple cents, but their gas prices are dramatically lower right. than It ours. doesn't cost them as much to make the blend. And you've, you've mentioned to me before, Louie, you know someone from Florida who at their gas tax prices, they actually see value yeah, from that. I was talking to a friend of mine. She lived in Florida for a while, and she was saying how the roads are really nice down there, and there's always construction being done to expand <laughs> roads to make them more user friendly, to clean them up, and huh. and that you actually, it didn't bug her that much because she actually kind of saw her dollar working for her. And I think back to our deal, we just <laughs> when we did our ballot comparison episode, I love that one. Even in the '80s, we were asking for money for the roads, and then this year we asked for money for the roads, and or last year, and and yet we still see some of the worst roads in the world. It's just disaster, and and. There's no incentive for Caltrans to even do their job. No, I was watching real quick. I was watching a segment on 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 the news and it was talking about how both sides of the aisle they want uh, infrastructure, right? But both sides of the aisle don't want to touch it because the way to pay for it is to raise gasoline tax. And I think it I, immediately someone brought up the point, and I think it's so true. I don't think people would necessarily have a problem raising the the gasoline tax 
if they had any faith and trust that the money being raised from the gasoline tax would actually go to infrastructure well, and be visible. That's and how it they won't. We that's how they were won't. sold when we went with Prop Six. They said, "Don't, don't kill the gas tax because we're going to pay for all the roads and the bridges and the and the high speed rail and the everything, and we're just drowning in great roads here." You know, it's so fantastic. Such a lie. If it's you, always a lie. If you had a tangible benefit, it's like this with a lot of things. I, yeah. I deal with this with like my digital marketing clients. Right? The first few months, they're paying a retainer for digital marketing, and they're not seeing the rewards yet because there's a lot that goes into it. And they think they're just throwing money down a hole. And then when they start making more sales and making more money, and then they start putting more money into their marketing, it becomes this uh, cycle upward. This yeah. cycle upward. They're like, yeah, this is great. We, we put our money into this bottomless government pit, and we don't see it actually working for us. We don't see our schools in good condition. We don't see our students topping the charts in education. We don't see our roads in good condition. Uh, what do we get out of it? And we've had time to see it. It's the, it's the, oh, it's the complaint against Uncle Joe running for president. Right. Dude, you've been in the Senate since the early 70s, and, you're, and you've always said government's broken. You're, you're in it, right. <laughs> and it still is broken. Right. So why would I vote for you for president? Because he's singing about the villages. Well, he's hammered. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. That's gas tax. It's here to stay. There's an investigation. I want everyone to feel good about it. There's an investigation to figure out where that other 48 cents is being. (laughs) I would say we'll do a future episode on their findings from the investigation, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. Well, another report came out that said we're going to, our high speed rail is going to cost us another $2 billion. I was like, where did it come from? I don't, I don't know where it came from. It's Perfect. just going to cost more because we really need to get from Modesto to Fresno Quickly. really quick. At 80 miles an hour. And segment three of the what, what are, are we, we doing? doing episode. Can California get any more liberal? It will if these laws pass. Why we need to burn it all down. Some of these are crazy, man. No joke. The first one, the one we'll focus mainly on. I really thought this was, I, I, I honestly could not believe this one. And I can't believe a lot of California laws that get passed. But this one, with everything else going on, seemed utterly, utterly absurd. They are actually considering increasing the corporate tax rate in our state. Why not? Uh, right. Just keep draining it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Senator Nancy Skinner, a Berkeley Democrat. Get out of town. <laughs> no, they, everyone comes from that area is about Fiscal responsibility. Okay, you keep believing that. So she she dives into the new, you know, phrase du jour, the top 0.2% of companies, she says, or who she wants to target, and raise their corporate income taxes from 8.84% to 10.84%. A little, you know, a little 2%. Just a little smidge. Just a little nudge. A little taste. A little nudge up. She said the proposal would increase state revenues by an estimated $2 billion and it would help fund... Now, wait for it. This is going to come as a big surprise as to how they're selling this one. Mm-hmm. It's going to help fund education. Oh, yes! <laughs> can't you Finally! Just, can't you just feel so good Finally. about that? Finally! Because it's just... The, the cure is just around the corner, John. Correct. If we just had a couple more bucks, our schools would be perfect. You know, we really just want to, to, to stick it to the man... You know, but it's going to sound so much more palatable if we can just kind of push it out there. Is it's I, for the kids? I could have sworn Governor Fascist Newsom just bailed out a couple of teachers' unions not too long ago. It just kind of 
If we kind of put if in we my it mind just a here, couple more bucks though. We just were a couple almost, more we were bucks? almost there. We just need a couple more bucks. And everybody just line up. He's handing out goodies. And do, don't we live in a state where our politicians for sure will use the verbiage and the phrasing and the explanation that it's for education it's for and it's going to straight go to the pension? Yeah. Isn't funds. that what, how we sold I mean, the lottery? Exactly. It was all going to go to education. We won't have to fund another dime publicly. It's for the children. How much of the lottery actually goes to education? <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, we, we should look at it. I that. have this on my next. Um, oh, perfect. perfect. I'm, uh, I'm next teaser. up. A little teaser. A little teaser. Uh, there's a little nepotism that's been going around in the lottery. Oh, no. no. Yes. I can't believe that. So then there's one other wrinkle to this, uh, this Berkeley Dems. Mm-hmm. Um, bill here. She, the bill will also increase the tax rate on corporations that have a large pay disparity between top executives and <laughs> average workers. She estimates those could generate up to $3 billion annually. I feel like we live in a George Orwell novel. No joke. So basically, the, the form, I, don't, I don't even know how they're going to do this. That's the crux of it, folks. That, exactly. That, that is the real... That, that's right. It. That's the little tiny pork that slides in at the end. That's totally right. They cannot stand the fact that the CEO of Disney makes what he makes. This was just in the news, right? The CEO yes. of Disney makes what he makes. The, an average worker on Avengers makes what they make. That to them is disgusting. And so they need to, quote unquote, right the wrongs that are out there in corporate America. And this is how they're going to do it. They're going to formulaically tie California corporate tax rates to this disparity. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that will influence companies that are currently based in California to no longer be based in California? This is the part where everything falls apart. Is this only works? These projections only work if people stick around. Exactly. And we've seen that companies keep leaving in droves, even people, right? We say it all the time. 64,000 households pay the majority of the tax in the state. And when those 64,000 people leave, we're going to start losing the projections on all this great tax money. Toyota's already left. A ton of companies left. With telecommuting and Skype and everything else, why would you ever stick around in California? You know, I've gone back to uh, the controller's website, you know. You, you tease me that I'm the only one who actually checks this thing. Either one page view. Yeah, I'm the one page view. <laughs> exactly. I'm still waiting for the April acknowledgement of how much money we're losing. We're here in May and we still don't have April. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I want to know because income tax revenue has fallen and it has to do with the 64,000 uh, person household. But sales tax receipts are higher because they're sticking it to us because we passed right. a whole bunch of laws in every municipality to raise taxes somewhere somehow, you know. So we're we're pushing this onto the middle class or the lower class, most likely the people who are having to spend a lot of money on gasoline, right? Well, and and we're just not seeing the revenues. They're they're over here telling us projection this projection that it's a lot of baloney. We're well, not we're not going to get it. Well, we were told too that. Even though we were two billion short on our mm. on our monies, it was because of a delay in how we're collecting taxes now because the Baloney. way Trump changed it, right? So, with last month came, okay, this is the chance to see. So April, it's tax day. What's the numbers going to show? I'm, I'm dying and, and to now see it. I'm it's dying to post see it. it on the website. It's not even there. They're hiding, and the reason being is that we had projected 
$20 billion surplus. And the fact of the matter is it's going to be a $20 billion deficit. It's huge. Our budget for California is 159 operating expense. $159 billion is what we spend in wow. this state. If you just had a few and more bucks. And we're going to have children. a swing of for $40 billion. We're going to have a swing of $40 billion. That's huge. For the, it's for the children, Bobby. What are some of the other laws, John? Come on, man. So let me go through. A, there was four total, but I'm going to go through a couple more here pretty quick. The, the other, one of the other ones, <laughs> one firearm purchase a month. So <laughs> That solves it. it no, no. Right. We're, we're just about there for the solution. Senator Anthony Portentino's Senate Bill 61 um, currently, Californians can only buy one long gun a month, um, or that's what this bill would propose. Currently, you can only buy um, uh, one handgun in a 30-day period. They want to extend that to a long gun. He's the same lawmaker that's behind the 2018 law that raised the age of who can buy a long gun in California from 18 to 21. Um, critical, I'm sure, right? He also carried a 2012 bill that restricted the open carry law, making it a misdemeanor to carry an own unloaded long gun. Um, you know, to carry an unloaded long gun was a misdemeanor. Of course. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no bullets. Nothing. You, you kind of go, how do I get to the range? You know what you can, <laughs> I'll tell you where this, where my mind goes when I read something like this, the end game. Let's say that, we can maintain enough uh, strict constitutionalist judges to prevent them from totally eviscerating the second amendment. Right. What they're basically going to do is you can only buy one gun every 30 years, right? You still have your second amendment rights. You can still own a gun. You just can only buy one every 30 years. We'll just make it so cost and time prohibitive Correct. that, but I always ask myself, what is, uh, What's I, the, I love policy. That's, that's what my grad school education is public policy. And I say, what, what is the problem we're trying to fix? Mm. What does one gun every month fix? It's a good question. Right? And, and, and all this stuff, whether you're banning assault rifles or whatever, big scary guns that look like assault rifles, the number one killer in this country is handguns. Yeah. Just street crime mm-hmm. is handguns. Far and, few, or f- f- far and wide, thousands of deaths every year because of handguns in this country. So you can't say, I want to ban long guns because of how, how, how deadly they are, because the most deadly is handguns. So if you want to take it to its logical conclusion, then you want to ban handguns. If you really want to prevent people from dying, and then you want to get rid of guns. So what this, to me, the, to take your point, what this reveals, because it's not logical, is simply to say, we just want to ban guns. Right. Yeah. That's the logical conclusion with all this, because if... Right. Ba- if preventing me from getting 13 guns a year right. is what's going to solve the problem, then preventing me from getting six guns a year would, make the, would solve it even better. Right. Right? It's just like minimum wage. If 15 is good, why is it 20 would be better? Right. And with guns, if 12 a year is part of the answer, then surely only letting me buy one a year would be the answer, and getting rid of them would be an even better answer. Exactly. Exactly. The last bill, this one is unbelievable. Um, all three of us sitting here went to Cal State schools, right? You went to, I went to two yeah, of them. You double dipped. Okay. You went for, the state got a lot of money. <laughs> you went for twice the horror, huh? So this uh, Senate Bill 24, Senate Bill 24 says that UC and CSU campuses can provide abortion services. So let me give you a little background before we jump in real quick. Senator Connie Leva 
she's proposing this university of California and California state university systems would have to provide abortion by medication services to students as part of its healthcare offerings on campus by 2023 real quick. Most student health clinics provide pregnancy testing and counseling contraceptives, STD infection services and routine women's health tests, according to the bill analysis, but extending care to include abortions quote, ensures that students do not have to travel away from their school and work commitments to receive care. It's a safe zone. Jeez. Got to keep them in their safe zone. You know, I, I'm totally down with all the diagnostic stuff and like the other things you named that the health clinics already do. That's just part of being a health clinic. And I get that. It's good. When it comes to providing abortions on the taxpayer dollar, I think we've already seen the outrage when it comes to government funding Planned Parenthood because as much as they say that part of the funding doesn't go to fund yeah, the Hyde, part, the Hyde Amendment. I mean, come on. It, it's all accounting, and I know the accounting right. trickery, and it exactly. does go to fund it. It's, yeah. This is one of those things, barring extreme cases like rape and stuff. I get that. But you chose to have sex. You took on the responsibilities of what that could be, whether that's a disease or it's a child. And now... You regret that decision, and you want the taxpayer to pay for it. I, I can't. You, barring crazy circumstances, you have complete control over this part of your life, and you don't want to take responsibility of it. That last part right there that you said is the critical part. Just like a student loan forgiveness. Exactly. We talked about that just amongst ourselves, how there are candidates that just want to forgive all student loans. And it's like, Hey, look, you chose to take on them, that debt. And now you're just going to default on it. Like moral hazard. Don't, right. Yeah, we, we dealt with, I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for it. You no. know, it used to be, you know, Republican president comes in, he defunds Planned Parenthood. Democrat one comes in, they refund it. And we played the seesaw game every single time it has happened. And un- until Trump came along and he wanted to do that. And they said, no, you don't have the right to do that. And I'm like, uh, why now? It, it's because orange mad bad. Is that, is that what we're doing? Don't, you know, der- we don't derangement syndrome. You know, obviously people don't want to fund it. You know, they don't want their tax money going to it because at least they're not doing it. They, they've made a choice not to participate in this, in this, you know, Terrible. I, I I feel it's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my position on it. But as uh, I don't want my tax money funding it. That's I, right. At, at, at the at the very at the purest libertarian argument that you guys are making it. What you did is what you did. And again, I, I agree with you, Bobby. But in a, in a pure libertarian sense, what you did is what you did. I, I'm not going to give you a penny for that. And and this bill directly goes against that. Because um, I, I don't read anything in here about a Hyde Amendment type of deal. Right. Um, right. You and I, when we write our ch- tax checks to California, are totally paying for it. Or even your tuition check. Done. To paying, the UCCSU. Paying for it. No go. Awful. Tweets? Tweet time. <laughs> All right. I got one from Uncle Bernie. Uncle that Bernie. Guy. Uncle Bernie says... Whether it's the drug companies, the fossil fuel companies, Wall Street, or big agribusiness. Ooh, we're throwing them in there now. We are taking on people who believe that short-term profits are more important than the well-being of our people. Our campaign is about saying we will not put profits over people. Thanks, Bernie. I feel better. Chris Hayes, um, MSM, 
or even less charitable in, uh, interpretation, they didn't get it wrong at all. They didn't want full employment. They didn't want wage growth and empowerment workers, and they certainly didn't want that happening under de- Democratic president, him responding to high employment. Oh, jeez. Governor Gavin Newsom, <laughs> our buddy and friend, hate has been weaponized. We all have a responsibility to call it out wherever it is against any and all communities and act to defend those targeted for their religious beliefs, who they love and how they identify. Thanks, Gavin. He's a champion for people's rights. (laughs) I got one from Barack Hussein Obama. The generation, this generation of climate activists is tired of inaction and they've caught the attention of leaders all over the world. So while this challenge is only getting more urgent, they show us the kind of action it'll take to meet this moment. Dude, I get so inspired by this guy. You remember when Feinstein was approached by the kids? Jeez. Elian Omar. Mm. The six million Jews who were murdered in the Holocaust will never be forgotten on hashtag Holocaust Remembrance Day. We pledge to always speak out against the bigotry that allows for such hatred and to always be welcoming to other. I kind of get the feeling she would never forget Holocaust Remembrance Day. Mm. That's rich. Her her tweeting that. Rich. Kamala, it should be deeply troubling to all Americans that Attorney General Barr made a decision about the sitting president and obstruction of justice without reviewing the evidence. This Attorney General lacks all credibility. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look at the evidence. Come on. Jesus. Donate to my campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Vote for me in 2020. Elizabeth Warren. How much of your student loan debt could get canceled under my new plan? Give our new calculator a try. I love this. And she gives a link. Hashtag cancel my debt. <laughs> wow. Candace Owens. The Democrats have literally turned Congress into days of our lives. It's unbelievable. One more from Gavin. The Trump administration manufactured a crisis on our border. They put children in cages. They separated families. They demonized women seeking refuge. Now they're doubling down on their cruel and inhumane policies and hoping we don't notice. It's cruel and inhumane (laughs) to stop people from illegally crossing the border. From enforcing the laws that are on the books. How do people not read into this stuff like putting children in cages? Come on, dude. I got a, I got another thing of uh, California. What are we doing? Oh, no. Uh, we made a... Uh, Gavin, what are we doing, bro? The legislature felt that they didn't have... They had too much time on their hand, and they officially made May 4th Star Wars Day. Okay. May wow. May 4th be with you. We spent political we spent dollars time. and time on that. That's exactly right. Jeez. What are we doing? What California. are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. Well, we got... We got the website cranking. If you want to read these articles, figure out where we got our information from. We link it all on the show pages on our website, CaliStreaming.com, C-A-L-I Streaming.com. While you're there, drop us a line. Tell us some show topics you want us to talk about. Follow us on Facebook. Bobby's going to start getting the old Twitter machine fired up. Oh, yeah. Um, Here's the engine. Take that on. Oh, yeah. You can download us on Apple iTunes and the Google Store. Um, We're the only... We're the only California conservative podcast, so tell your friends if you're a part of the secret society. And uh, we're coming up with a handshake so we can, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so people know that you're and, in the society. And we were talking about this yesterday. I think we're the only show that actually shares all of our sources with you. Yeah, every show page has the articles we pulled our stories from, which is pretty good. We 
You know, oh, we're not just spitballing. We're picking it up from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're new to the show, Bobby has a message to you because there's very specific set of details you got to follow this week. California, what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're burning it all down. 